Welcome to Yeah The Gals podcast, where I, Loz McGlynn, chat with epic everyday women who have paved their way to success in their space. We hope you feel inspired, motivated, and ready to listen to some honest and open conversations. Because gals, you bloody got these. Welcome to a little bit of a special episode of Yeah The Gals, or should I actually say Yeah The Dads. What a weird and wonderful experience to sit down in the studio with a man who I have absolute bias to on how awesome he is, but that is my husband Josh, aka Macca, as well as my colleague and friend Maddie Baisley, who when he isn't doing breakfast radio on the Hit Network or TV presenter for Sydney Weekender, or hosting multiple major sporting events, he is a dad to three mini Baisleys with his beautiful wife, Bella. These guys came to the table with honesty, vulnerability, and a little bit of low-key self-reflection as they answered questions sent in from listeners on what it's like being a dad in today's society. They discussed their thoughts and experiences on what it has meant for them and their respective families, from what it was like for Maddie to be a stay-at-home dad, to society standards, the mental load, navigating dad life and their own struggles and triumphs. It was such a pleasure to hear from their points of view. So thank you, legends, and we hope you enjoy this special episode of Yeah The Dads. I feel so weird sitting here. I feel it's a treat for me. It's very intimate being here with you two, and it'll, you know, it's a bit special being here with you guys. Yeah, I'll stop it. It's, I feel um, like. How do you feel, babe? Yeah, I feel like I'm under the pump. <laughs> <laughs> Might actually start with a welcome, boys or dads. How are you feeling? I'm good. good. How you going, Macca? Yeah, I'm excited, man. It's yeah, good to, it's good to be in the studio and. It's actually a lot more technology and stuff. It is like way more than you think. I know how to work about three buttons and that's it for me. But I am sitting in Matt's usual chair. Mm. So Matt's the passenger and I'm loving it. Loving it. And you have more than four minutes to actually talk today. Yeah, that's a problem though. You just be careful asking me questions (laughs) because I can bang on. So just give me the wind up if I'm talking too long. Yeah, but really, because like you're so used to having to fit everything into a really short period of time and then drop a Pink or Taylor Swift song at the min. I should actually start by introducing you guys. So today we're doing a bit of a different episode, which is Yeah, the Dads, because a lot of people that listen to this are mums and I'm one myself. So I sent a Instagram question out to ask people if they had dads in the room, what would they ask? And got absolutely bombarded with so many questions. So we're going to try and get through them, but there's a lot there. We've got Matt Baisley in the studio. Hi, Loz. My colleague. Hi, Macca. Hey. Legend. So Matt is hit brekkie show announcer for New South Wales. How long have you been doing the job for now? Coming up to a year now. Yeah. A year here, but work in and around for 20 years yeah. doing this kind of thing. In media for a long time. Time. Yeah. But prior to this was stay-at-home dad. Yeah, so I had a career break in 2015 and then was stay-at-home dadding for almost six years. Yeah. With freelance work picking up towards the end of that six years, but a good solid sort of four years of doing nothing but being like the sole carer of the mini humans. Yeah, mm. huge job. Mm. Primary carer, you've got... Th- Sorry, primary carer. Primary yeah, carer. carer. Yeah. You have got three beautiful 
children. Yep, that's what? my dad resume. I've got an eight-year-old girl, Billy. I've got a six-year-old boy, Ziggy, and a four-year-old girl, Stevie. Yeah, stunning. And a beautiful wife. Yes. Bella. Yeah, very lucky. Very lucky. Coming from a place of privilege today, I know that a lot of families are single parent families as yep. well. I do know that I am very lucky to have a strong relationship with my wife and the two of us raising the kids together. Yeah, I think that's a really important point to make, Matt, is mm. that some people aren't in the same situations that we are mm. in. So yeah. we are very privileged. Yeah. So thank you, Matt. Welcome. Thank you. And to the left, <laughs> we have Maka, This Josh, handsome rooster over here. <laughs> this good looking rooster. So my husband, Maka, Josh, aka Maka. Hey, babe. Hey, Dung. Good to be here. How are you feeling? <laughs> Girl's a little bit funny sitting right directly across from you. I know. <laughs> the pincers are on. I know. No, they're not. It is so weird. This is the first time you've been in a studio as well. Yeah, like this for sure. Yeah, so thanks for agreeing to it. Tell me a little bit about yourself, doll. Uh, well, 33 years old. I'm a dad to a beautiful daughter, Eloise. She's going on two. Husband, son, brother. All-round um, legend. <laughs> All-round bloke, you, I guess. You are a high school maths teacher as well. And PE. Let's slip that in there. Yeah. <laughs> Intended Is that why you got the around your neck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm wearing my sports trackies. But it just measures out the geek and the cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Let's, absolutely. Let's slip that in there. I'll probably teach like one period of four, not a PE, but yeah. put it on the resume. You take the wins where you can. Mm. Awesome. Thank you. So we've seriously got two different perspectives. And even when I was going through a lot of these questions, Matt, I feel like the questions are going to be pointed to you a lot because you – not dismissing like us having Ellie, we've got one daughter and we're both working full time and we're navigating that and like navigating growing our family. But you have three children. Mm. I think being a stay at home dad, it's not that it's a lot more recognized now, but it's not a normal. No. People understand it a little bit more now, but I, even when I kicked off eight years, nine years ago doing it, it was um, I only knew one other person that was a stay-at-home dad. Um, so yeah, I'll let yeah. you, I'll let you drive it. But. No, I love it. Okay, well we might kick off with the questions. Otherwise, we'll just keep talking the back yeah. legs off a donkey this whole time. <laughs> um, all right. So, what was it like watching the birth of your first? Do you remember? And how did you guys prepare? And did it go all out the window? Matt. Gosh, it was an absolute whirlwind. I remember it clearly. I was a little bit excited about getting Bella to the hospital as soon as possible. When they, they say you have to wait till the contractions are a certain amount apart before you go to the hospital, I think the water's broken. I was like, we're going. Let's yeah. just get there. It was a, it was like a 16-hour labour for Billy. We had a GoPro set up in one corner. We had the playlist of a speaker in one. We had the big digital DSLR camera. We had the phone. It was all happening. Was this you? Did you drive that? Yeah, that was me. That was all me. Bella can't even remember the music that was playing. There was a birth plan that went out the window, which they say with a lot of the birth plans is you write your birth plan, but if it doesn't go to plan, then who cares? Let's just get the next best thing. Yeah. Took a long time. I was with my mother-in-law. She was there as well. We did it in shifts at one stage because it was pretty intense being in there for that entire time. I remember after about 13 hours, I ducked out and got a bit of pizza, had a glass of Shiraz at the pizza joint down the road from the hospital and then came back and I was a little bit more relaxed and then brought it home for the birth and I was a snotty mess. Yeah, I, I don't can, think I've cried ever, ever again like it. And I can imagine you as well. You are you wear your heart on your sleeve, which yes. I love yeah. about you. Did, was the whole setting up like all the cameras and doing all mm. of that was a way for you to feel like you were contributing in some yeah, way? Yeah, and just to capture it because uh, I knew it was going to be a blur and that, yeah, that was just me 
being a bit of a tech nerd dad as well. But as the births went on, second child, third child, the cameras got less. I was going to say, what <laughs> yeah, was, was like, it like? By oh. the time Stevie, our third, was born, I was like, oh... We just had the phone. I was like, does anyone got a charger? I don't know if you even brought a charger. But, yeah, no, it was very special and something that I'll f- remember for the forever. Yeah, for mm. sure. I was about to ask you what was it like for the second and third, but you were so well-versed. It was different because we were a different hospital for each one, so they weren't all born in the same place. But, again, we went early every time. I just got her there and I was just like, we just need you there. I don't want this coming at yeah. home. No, it was very special and mother-in-law was there each time as yeah. well. Yeah, incredible. Mm. All right, Macca? How about you? Yeah, I guess it's quite similar to Maddie in, in a few ways. It was very hectic, intense. It was long. I can't remember exactly how long, but we were there for a long time. Yeah. It was during the COVID era. Oh, wow. So we didn't have mother-in-laws or mother there. So it was just the two of us. And similar to what you said, Maddie, we had a birth plan. We did the hypnobirthing classes, which I was a little bit um, resistant to at first, <laughs> but it even though the plan went out the window as soon as we got to the hospital, it did give us an opportunity to have conversations around certain things that we probably wouldn't have without it. So definitely, I don't regret doing those classes. Yeah. But we did get to the hospital and the plan went out the window. We had I had the fairy lights and the, yeah, nice. the, the playlists and all that sort of thing, but it was hectic and you roll with the punches that, that you're thrown with. I feel like, I, sorry to cut you off, but I feel like for dads as well, you guys get a lot of shit that because you're not the ones that are giving birth, but really it's exhausting. You're just sitting there for the ride, literally waiting. So it is hard to know what to do. You do get tired. Oh, that lounge you have to sit on is really uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm in my back. I need an epidural just for that lounge. Yeah. I know. But it would be tough because there's not a lot no. you can do. Yeah, it's you feel tough. a little bit useless. Yeah, that's the thing. Mm. It's tough. It's tough mentally because you're watching the person you love go through excru- excruciating pain Yeah, and they're looking to you for support for help and you do Maddie as you said you do feel a little bit helpless or useless I guess in some points yeah but I think (laughs) and I don't know how much detail you want on our birth but there were some pretty crazy scenes at the end there it does contribute to a memory and as Mm. Maddie said it is a very unique and memorable experience and it it is the best for me it's the best day or moment of your life Mm. And and it's something that you've been wanting and building up for years for us yeah. uh, and then through the pregnancy and then when it finally does happen and you commit to the moment and it's, I don't know, it, it's almost like if you're part of a sport team in rugby, for example. if you go, I love your referencing rugby. <laughs> if, you, if you've trained all year and you make to the grand final and you win the grand final 50 nil, yeah, it's good that you win. But when you get there and your main player gets injured and then it's a close game and you get, you're down by three points and you get the ball with a minute to go and score in the corner, it's all those hectic moments contribute to a, a beautiful experience. Mm. And it is, I guess it is all those imperfections and the punches that you do roll with that makes it a, mm. such a special experience. Well, I love you, that. Yeah. Yeah, I just always love that he manages to roll rugby into anything that we talk about. <laughs> did but you no, know, did really you, know you were having a girl? Did you know that you were having a girl? Yeah, yeah, did? Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't want to pre- presume what kind of questions are coming, but when we found out that we were having a girl, I think about the relationship that I have with my father and a really awesome relationship and I guess thinking when we were deciding to have children, I always thought oh, I want to – have both mm. a girl and a boy, but I definitely want to have a boy. And so 
uh, when we found out I was having a girl, it's not that it's not that I was disappointed or anything like that, but it was I'll keep going until we get a boy. But now that we've got Ellie, it's reverse. And so your, your perspective does change. Yeah, love that, babe. And actually, that's another sub question here that I've got for you. So obviously, if anyone's listened to the podcast, I've spoken really openly that we did really struggle with fertility for a couple of years and ended up going through a few rounds of IVF to get Ellie. And I've spoken a lot about how it's been for me and we're going through it again. So we're going through secondary infertility and looking down the barrel of the gun of IVF again. But how was that for you, babe, from your experience going through the motions of IVF? Because again, it's like the whole giving birth experience. What was that like going through the motions and not necessarily being able to do too much? You know, it's funny sitting here because I feel like we've never actually sat down properly and Mm. debriefed about this sort of stuff. But it depends how you look at it. Practically, I've like practically IVF for me was a breeze. I meant like a lot of things in life, infertility, it really does unfortunately fall on the female partner. For me, going through the process to start off with was an a semen analysis. And once that's clear, it's okay, the male, done. And <laughs> then there's a hundred thousand different things that you then had to go through. So practically for me, it was get a semen analysis and then (laughs) do my deposit, (laughs) (laughs) which is funny. Like you, it's what you imagine it to be. You go into this little room and there's just like a leather chair and some magazines that you dare not touch. (laughs) And uh, you do what you got to do and you come out and you just hand it to this girl who's just sitting outside the door at a desk and you say, hey, thanks. (laughs) You guys fist pump because of how quickly you did it. Yeah, I was actually nervous that. The pressure wasn't, to do yeah, it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Right? You're sitting in the waiting room thinking, and it's just, I've got one job here. There's no romance. You're, There's no romance. No. Yeah. And there wasn't the option to bring my own candles in or like dim the lights and <laughs> yeah. set my own playlist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't very romantic in that room, but hey, I was there to get a job done and, yeah. and got the job done. And I was nervous that the small role that I had to play was you want it to work. So practically it was a breeze, but echoing what we said about the pregnancy, it's that feeling, it's seeing what it, what that journey does to your partner. And you do see, you notice how much of a toll, I notice how much of a toll it was having on you. And that feeling of, you know, I can, I can give encouraging words and all that sort of stuff, but yeah. It, yeah. It you feel does, useless again. It does feel a bit useless or mm. it's not fair. That's mm. what it feels like. It's not fair that one partner has to burden a lot of the responsibility. Mm. And when I think back, I probably could have taken a lot more of that, the planning and the research and all that sort of stuff on board. But yeah, I guess that's, that's how it was for our first. We got there in the end. We got there. Yeah. And And so it's all, yeah. The the juice was worth the squeeze. Literally. (laughs) I think that also comes to the sex education. I think growing up as Mm. well, you're told that if the sex education is, if you don't wear a condom, you're going to fall pregnant. And it's, it's not that easy. Oh, if only. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. So hang on a minute. Let's talk about safe sex in the regards of, you know, STDs mm. and that sense. But let's talk about how actually difficult it is to have a baby. It's yeah. not as it's not as clear cut as that. No, and it does take a toll on the relationship when you're trying for years. And we just had a bit of joke about romance. But when you start planning things and you're looking at cycles and all that sort of stuff, it does become, whether you want it to or not, sometimes it does become about getting a job done. We were talking about this the other night. I think we have not 
not thought about having kids for five years. We've been together eight years and Mm. got married and that's what we spoke about and then that's what we planned. I think for the first time it brought us closer a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And this time around we're a lot more aware of what the process is and it's only up until the last couple of months I'm starting to feel those pressures and feelings. That's all coming up for me. But otherwise we were pretty lucky, I think, emotionally, I didn't know how I felt a lot of the time too. So that's hard for you to navigate because sometimes I'd feel really confident and empowered that we were doing something about it. But then other times I was just so, I didn't know how I felt. If I'm honest, when we first started discussing infertility and the possibility of doing IVF, again, I feel like I was probably more resistant then and that you were driving that. And then I guess, as you said, that's this sort of the idea of becoming pregnant or have a family, it's been there for five years and it's something that is constantly there. Sometimes you push it to the background. Mm. And I think for people listening who have experienced it, probably know what I mean when I say that you have to be, you have to be on the same page as a relationship, because if there is cracks anywhere, that is something that it, it rear its head and, and pop those cracks. Yeah, like, it's really heightened. Yeah, like I meant if I was to say I go out on a Saturday after footy or something, have one too many beers, and it's, then you wake up in the morning and if you're not too happy about it, it's not so much that oh, I went out and got pissed with the boys. It's more about we're trying to achieve something and perhaps that's not the number one priority. Yeah. So it's those cracks that form and although they may be symptoms, they're not the cause of, the, of a lot of issues. Yeah. And so it is something that's been there for five years. Thank you, babe, for being so honest yeah, about that. Yeah, that was amazing, Matt. That was really nice. Matt, did you guys, was it like from your perspective having children, was it pretty... I, I come from a, I feel a bit of guilt now. No, no, okay, because no, that's what no, I actually no, wanted to say to you. That's a huge Please share don't. from you too, and I appreciate it, sitting here listening to that. But no, we did it. We didn't. We wanted kids and we tried and it happened for us. Yeah. So, yeah, no, there's no real life experience in that for me. I do have quite a few people in my friendship circle as well and watched it go through. And there's a sense of guilt of that with them as well, just watching how hard they've tried. And for us, we didn't have that. Can I say, though, from my perspective, I know Josh feels exactly the same, that does not bother me the slightest in terms of I would never want people, because we have friends when we were trying that were falling pregnant that found it really tough to tell me and that was the last thing that I wanted I was so happy for them it was just more that it was our situation Mm. so I just want to stipulate that because I think about that all the time I definitely do not share this wanting people who it happened really easily for to feel guilty. Yeah, no, and, you know and that's, I mean? that's on me. Yep. That's on me. That's not. That's nothing to, of you two or anyone else in that situation. Yeah. That's something else. That's just my yeah, thing totally. that I have to deal with. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, regardless of how it happens, like at the end of the day, we all become parents and we all love our kids absolutely unconditionally, except for when they're assholes. Try to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, except when they're assholes. 100% of the time. Yeah. About 80%. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so... On that, I'll segue over to you, Matt. Did you have any unexpected emotional struggles in becoming a dad? Oh, yeah. I still do. I still do. I think the letting go of who I used to be, I still, it's probably still uh, the one thing I have to deal with a lot and check myself on because regardless of 
what you do and how you manage your relationship and the kids, there is a part of you that will never be the same again. Mm. It's like just leaving the house is a completely different experience. So having to put aside my selfishness of, okay, I'm used to playing golf on Thursdays, hanging out with the boys at the pub on a Friday, cricket all day Saturday, and then maybe going to the beach or having another hit of golf on Sunday. That's just not my life anymore. And so you're mourning the loss of who you were and redefining who you are now. That's been the biggest struggle and still is the biggest struggle I have with being a parent is just making sure that I am not a selfish person. Which is hard because you also don't want to lose your identity. No, and you've got to have your cup full as well because making sure that you feel good makes you a better parent. I know that when it's all getting a bit too much for me, if I go for a run and then I come back, I feel a hell of a lot better and I know that I'm a better dad after I've done a 5K run than Mm. if I'm sitting at home just being angry that I can't go for a run. Yeah. But it's just about picking those moments. Like the kids' social lives are bigger than ours now and that's just what it is and that's how we roll with it and we enjoy that. We enjoy it. But Mm. then there's parts where it's just like, God, look at these people in Europe and the Instagram (laughs) stories. You just look at that life. I still have that jealous moment and I just know, I do know it's a season and we'll get through it. Yeah. But that's my struggles still. And what was that like transitioning from one to two and even three? Mm. What what was that like for you? And hectic, ha- yeah, hectic. And but it all for me, it happened all so quickly. Like they're all two years and two weeks apart. So the, their birthdays, it goes Feb, early March. Wow. For me to try and remember what it was like at those early stages of Billy, my eldest, being around, it was great. It was just me and her. We were doing pram walks for sleeps. It was tough because it was our the first time around we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know that if you wanted to get them on a bottle, you had to do it straight away. Otherwise, they weren't going to take the bottle, and that's exactly what happened. So Bella would be off working. I would be driving to wherever she was so she could breastfeed. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, so I'd be like, okay, God, we're getting to that four-hour mark. Yeah. i got to chuck her in the car. Where are you? Oh, yeah. I'm in here. Okay, I'm coming. Billy screaming in the back, whack her on the boob for 20 minutes, drive back home, try and get her to sleep. Wow. Because we'd try the bottle and Billy just would not take it. We'd try, she'd pump, she'd express, we'd try some formula for top-up, whatever it was, she just wouldn't take the bottle. So there was a bit of that going on. Um, but at the same time, it was really cool. Like it was just her and I at home and I loved it. And then when Ziggs came along, it was having to split my time between the two with making sure I wasn't ignoring Mm. the eldest Billy, but not spending too much time with him. And then when it was three, I, I don't know who I heard say this it. This just sounds hectic. It goes, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Shoehorn some more sporting analogies in there. <laughs> it goes from like basketball where you've got man on man defense to with three of them at zone defense. You are yeah, outnumbered yeah, and you're just, yeah. you're just constantly. You're outmanned and yeah, outgunned. Big time, big time. So they, people do say, oh, it's harder going from one to two than it is two to three. It's tough regardless. One yeah. kid's tough, two kids tough, three's tough. I was going to ask because a lot of people, a lot of my mates have mm. said that one thing that they noticed is when they had two, mm. they realised how much time they had when they only had one. one. 100%. And so I was going to ask you when you were talking just before about how you lose a lot of yourself, was it a gradual yeah. one to two and then you got yeah. three and then you got... You, 100%. Yeah, okay. Because I'm just picturing myself now. I still go to the gym. I still play footy and what you were saying yeah. before. And uh, I, we've had the conversation that it's got to 
it's got to be the last year, mate, for footy, <laughs> especially if number two comes along. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's in my head, I'm picturing 100%. exactly what you were saying. So uh, when I, when we had Billy, I was still playing off like a 9.7 handicap. Hey, not bad. And then Ziggs came along and it went out to 14. And then by the time Stevie rolled around, I was back into like 1920s. So that's that where the, where it went for me in golf. Is this I a just, cricket analogy? That's a golf. When we had one, I went on a New Zealand trip with the boys. Wow, we yeah, like to yeah. play golf around mm. the South Island. But it, it, it was a gradual thing. Yeah. You have a lot less time. Mm. And then when I started working again, it was like, okay, I need to pull my weight at the home as well. I don't just work. That's not just my responsibility. Mm. I have to work and then also come home and be dad and husband. Is that something that you realised for yourself or is it something that you just knew? Yeah, it was conversations that were had, but I also knew as well, how can I not be around on a Sunday if the kids have nippers Yeah, and there's birthday parties? So it just happens. You just run out of time. No, there was some conversations too. Like, babe, maybe (laughs) if you're going to run, maybe you don't play golf. Okay, both. We're in this situation at the moment where we've got Ellie and – it's been a very beautiful, easy transition to parenthood. Yep. So mm. we have been really lucky. Touch wood. Touch wood. She's pretty independent. She's really happy. How she did she go sleeping? Well. Sleeping? Great. Oh, how good. So good. Yeah, and yeah. I couldn't breastfeed, so that was something yep. that I really struggled with. First two weeks, I was thinking, oh, my God, what, what? have we done here? Poor girl wasn't... <laughs> She wasn't eating. Yeah, <laughs> she was. Which is more common yeah. than not. The mum guilt, I could imagine, oh. was through the roof. Yeah, yeah. and the, the breastfeeding clinics going, breast is best, you need to breastfeed, and me just mm. wanting to, I wanted that. I wanted to be a mum, I wanted to bond with my daughter, and I wanted to breastfeed. Like, I wanted that, but I ended up hating it. And then we went to formula, game changer for us. Mm. Josh could take night feeds. She was in her own cot at 12 weeks and sleeping through the night, We've been really lucky. A few regressions, sicknesses and stuff. But at the moment, we've got one child. And so it's that balance of going, well, one of us can take us, take her. Josh is playing rugby. He's going to the gym. But I'm having my time as well. I get up twice a week and go for a walk in the morning before work. And we've got this balance. But the conversations are going, okay, but what happens when we have yes. two? Yeah. What do we do? And do, yeah. Divide and conquer was the words, you have her today, I'll take him, or let's do this together and then tomorrow you have your day. There are ways, but it it does get harder as they get busier. That's what I found. Once you get into party season as well, especially there's like three parties over two days. and it's Holy moly. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't want to deprive them of anything because they are the number one other than yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Not other than yourself, in front of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Very interesting. It all comes with different challenges. Everyone's journey and challenge is different as well. What are your views and experiences? Experience on how the standards and expectations of dads are different to the role of a mum. Matt, I'll start with you. Sorry, I throw to you. Yeah. But I guess for you, what was that like being a stay-at-home dad from that perspective? I had a few different experiences with being a stay-at-home dad from external and internal. It wasn't planned that I was going to be a stay-at-home dad. Okay. I, lost, I, I lost my job. Billy was born in Feb and I found out in November that my contract wasn't being renewed. So it was like two and a half months away from her coming into the world. And I was like, holy moly, I've just lost my job. I got offered a gig that I didn't really love. And I'd been working nonstop since I was like in the in media, since I was like 17. The way they got rid of us was really horrible. So I was a little bit bitter and jaded. We just said, look, why am I going to go take a job that I don't really love 
for you to give up the job that you love and you're very good at it. Why can't I stay at home? And she's like, sure? Like, yeah, absolutely. So that was the way it came about. And then a few of my mates are like, yeah, cool, but when are you going to go get a real job? Are you going to stop this? Are you going to get a real job? And I'm like, this is a real job. Yeah. I'm like raising a human. I'm keeping a, like this little thing alive every day. And then I thought I'd be the hero at the park with the mums. Here comes super dad. Look at him <laughs> nailing it, like doing the shush pats, getting the swaddling down and then playing with them. And it wasn't that. It wasn't mm. that. I didn't get that from the mums. I got a little bit of a little bit of resentment, I think, like they because they were the ones that were there and doing the hard slog and their husbands weren't. Yeah. I, I think. But the other thing that kind of really annoyed me also was a few of my mates were like, this is to come back about the expectations of being a dad in the becoming a dad was like, oh, the, there's nothing for you to do for the first year. Sit back, mate. There's nothing for you to do. Hang on a minute. There's immunizations. There's nappies to buy. There's bottles to sterilize. They're, they're moving into solids at four months. Who's looking after that? There's that the expectation of the mum is the only one that's doing anything for a year Yeah, came at me and I was like, what is that? Yeah. And that was the one thing that I think is slowly starting to change in the dad world, yeah. that dads are being more, well, I- if involved. If you think about it, if I might be wrong here and call me out, but if, if the baby's not breastfeeding, is there anything that the dad can't do that only the mum can do? No. There was actually a really good episode on the Imperfects recently with, I think it was Hugh's wife, Penny, and they were talking about the mental load. The mental load. Mm. So the mental load is this invisible to-do list always, and it naturally falls on the mum. And I think in our relationship, I am just intuitive. I know what needs to be done. I know when it needs to be done. And I find it really hard to always feel like I'm telling Maka what to do. do From that perspective, when you were a stay at home dad, did you take on that mental load or did you find that Bella was still really intuitively giving you things to do? Oh, I think we split the mental load then. Yeah. I think the mental load has shifted and I've been a bit shit with the mental load probably in the last couple of years. Funny you mentioned that episode because uh, I'm, I'm thinking about it playing it to Bella, which could be come back to bite me in the bum. It's a cool um, concept. Yeah. If anyone hasn't listened to it, it's this idea of these cards. So mm. it's a book, I think, that she read. Yeah, Fair Play, I think it's called. Yeah. yeah. And then you can buy this deck of cards where you sit down and you literally separate different cards of the mental Responsibility. load. Responsibilities. Responsibilities, mm. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no. I, then I was really good at it, but now I have dropped off and it's that whole I've just come home from work, I'm working weekends, this is my time to stop. I'm playing with the kids. What else do you want from me? And then I get really defensive when I'm told that I'm not doing enough around the house when I know that I'm not. Yeah. So it's re- it's a really it's a really tricky spot, but I know I we need to share that mental load a little bit more. But it's really hard from that perspective. I don't know if Bella feels the same, but for me, I don't want to feel like our house is a dictatorship where it's me just going, babe, do this, because you'd never say no. Like you would always go, yeah, sure, no worries. But it's the idea of always having to tell you what to do that I hate. It's no criticism of you. You are amazing. But it's more like that mental load. I feel like it does just fall on me. And I know that other mums do feel that as well. Anyway, I'll throw to you, babe. How do you feel about it? (laughs) I was just going to say for Maddie, you were at home from day one of first baby. How long was it until Belle went back to work? 
Two weeks? Two weeks. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. so what I feel happens and what certainly happened between us is I was off work and then I go back to work and your mum from day one up until you returned to work, which was about nine months or... I think I returned about 10 months and 10 then months. you took a term off and looked after Ellie. So then I had 12, 14 weeks off or a couple of months, whatever it was. But the problem with that is when I became primary carer, it's not like you could have just, you probably could have, but you didn't just hand over every all the responsibilities. You carried that on. Like even though you were gone back to work, you were still making sure nappies were there. You were still doing all that. Yeah. So I guess in hindsight for next time, there should be more of a conversation about that transition. I seem to be, when I was at home, it was like daycare rather than doing all the mm. things. So you still carried that mental load when you went back to work. Yeah. But to your credit, I think you actually made a good point. The point of this podcast is also to go, you guys do an amazing job. It's not a cop out to do better because you guys, <laughs> oh, no. you do a great job. <laughs> Everyone really can good. do better. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. we all can. Yeah. But to your point, Maka, is you went back to work. It's almost like I was learning and evolving into becoming a parent and yours was just a little bit, cut off though mm. you couldn't be there for those learns and that growth and you relied on me when you came home to fill you in on all of that it just became a pattern is that you were the primary carer whether you were working or not yeah you yeah were just the primary carer yeah um, and it's easier to keep doing something you've yeah. been doing than teach someone how to do something that's yeah, right absolutely yeah. babe I'm gonna ask you what's your views we've spoken about this before and I think it's changing but the ex expectations on dads, like the standards of what dads do are set lower than the standards of what mums are supposed to do. What's your thoughts and experience? Mm. If I had to sum it up, I would say that mums are expected to have their shit together. And if they have their shit together, it's like, oh, okay, she's a mum. Whereas if a dad is pulling his weight, it's almost as if it's something to be congratulated yeah. rather than just you're just pulling your weight. And I noticed that after Ellie was, she must have only been, she was young, two or three months old, and I've strapped her into the front strap and I've grabbed the dog. I think you were doing something in the morning and I've grabbed Benson, I've strapped Ellie in, I've walked up to the shops. And by the time I got to Woolworths Car Park, went and bought some bread and milk, came out, I had three people comment on, good on you, mate, mm. because I had Ellie strapped in and I had a dog and I was getting groceries. And so it was almost like I was getting congratulated, whereas you were doing that every day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's that daddy-daughter, like uh, the daddy-daughter day. Oh, is it daddy-daughter day? No, it's just Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. It's Saturday. No, it's just a day. Yeah. It's a day that I'm a father. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? People see that and 100%. it's almost like, oh, congratulate him, he's pulling his way, mm. whereas- for mothers, it's like you're meant to just have it together and yeah, and yeah. all that. So yeah. I think it, it, that's probably the best way I could sum up how that's played out. Yeah, and also if you've got Elliot's, oh, you're on babysitting duties. And it's no, Lauren's yeah, just got something she needs yeah. to do. Yeah. How did Bella actually feel about Did she feel any kind of like people were judging her that she was working and you were at home? No, I don't think she did. I, I know she had a bit of her own stuff going on, especially with the feeding stuff, yeah. knowing that I was driving across the city with Billy screaming in the back wanting milk and her boobs are bursting wherever yeah. she is working, going, no, like they, her boobs knew that Billy was crying. And then when I'd get there and having to settle and then leaving again was probably the, her own guilt. But it was the, 
the congratulations stuff. It's just, I'm still coming home and I'm still being a mum. Matt's just doing his thing. Like yeah. that, there was a bit of that. But what she did steer clear of was mother's groups and mummy blogs and reading too much. I think that was the, probably the healthiest thing she could have done because mother's groups are great for a lot of people and I've seen a lot of people have a lot of success with them and still be friends, but there's also a bit of toxicity that rolls around in those joints Absolutely. as well. So, the um, amount of times I heard you in bed reading something and be troubled by it, I thought, just turn it off, don't look at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know the pro- biggest problem is other mums yeah. judging you? Yeah. Which seems so crazy. Because yeah. it is, it's the judgment. Yeah. And that's what I, we also found was that talking about the parenting thing, I like to talk about other things mm. than parenting, especially at the parks and the, all the other parents want to do is talk about the stages, the leaps, the this, the that. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool, but that's not all of who I am. Let's talk about what's going on as well as I'm not just a dad. Yeah. Uh, and Bella was the same. I'm not just a mum. We just don't live by the Wonder Weeks, we have other things going on that we yeah. want to talk I about. Guess that really, it does come down to how you identify yourself. Like, what is your identity? What's mm. number one? There's yeah. other aspects to it. It's, it's not just mum one and only or dad one and yeah. only. Mm. There's other components. But then on the flip side of that, there are some people that they take to motherhood and that they just love it. They embrace that might be something they've been wanting or something that they didn't expect to just love so much and that's also okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's also totally fine and much the same as being a dad. There are people that are in situations that don't have a choice where the dad has to work because he's the sole income and you take those roles. So it's all circumstantial. Ultimately what we're trying to do is just get through it, like whatever the best way in the situation is. Like you take us two, for example, we sit down and say what is the best thing for our situation and I think – that's, you can only do what you can do. Yeah. Do what's right for you, not what someone else tells you to do. 100%. Yeah. Actually, I do have a quick rogue question. Any advice you wish you did or did not take? Uh, the, the best advice I got was don't read books, parenting books, because you're going to put unexpected pressure on yourself. A mate of mine told me that. Um, and that was, that was probably the best because all kids are different. Like you read Save Our Sleep. We went through hell with the three of them with sleep. And it's all kids are different. There's no book. There's no cookie cutter for kids. They're all different. That was my bit of advice. But I also rolled around. My dad had, I'm the youngest of six. So it's like I had a pretty good gauge on old school parenting. And it was just like, you know what? It'll be right. Yeah. And that's the best part. You do your best and you go to bed and you wake up and you do it all again. And not to put too much pressure on yourself. Yeah. Great advice. I think we already touched on it before, but when people say, oh, they just want their mum for the first year, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how good to build a bond together mm. oh, yeah. and learn how to parent, to like do it together. Yeah. I think that's changing a lot. I think but a lot mm, of it's this time. generational shift. It helps us understand each other in a relationship. Like having that couple of months off with Ellie made me understand what you were feeling or what you were saying when I came home from work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Unless yeah. you can experience that, it's hard to fully empathise with someone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah. There's something to be said about that, like you coming home and me just verbalising everything that happened in the day. You can't retain mm. all of that. You can't understand that. But to be alongside me. Yeah. Um, and more workplaces should make it available as well for dads. Mate, yeah. what, to the, have leave. I'll give a quick shout out to the Department of Education here. Mate, the stuff that they have just been implementing is phenomenal. The long parental leave, carer leave, one person, it's 
mothers and fathers now yeah. or, or parent and co-parent or whatever the dynamic is, but it's given me the best opportunity to to bond with Ellie. Yeah. And that's what we plan to do for our second, if we're lucky to have another one, yeah, is absolutely. you will take on that role for a few months. When I took my leave, it only just come in with the department. Right. So I was one of the first people to take it and I was not sure what to expect, but he was brilliant. Yeah. Amazing. The best. Like mm. Not a lot of fun, but a, so much joy. That's oh. how I sum up that first year. Mm. Not a lot of fun, but God, the joy you get out yeah. of it. Just, you and know, the, the screening for hours is all gone when there's that little laughter or that little smile or whatever it is. The arms up. Yeah. And they, they want you to pick them up. Yeah. Oh. yeah. And now I'm fast forwarding, watching like the, that little boy who I used to fall asleep with on my chest, starting to read words in a book. Oh, this before I came goosebumps. here. So about half hour before I came here, I was, I think I was, doing the cleaning up the kitchen or something and Ellie she'd gotten up onto the dining room table and gotten my pens yeah and she's she? yeah you haven't seen it you'll see when you get home but she's drawn all over the lounge <gasps> with my pens and I was like oh so I grabbed the pens and I've taken them off her and she clearly wanted them and I was like how's she getting up there and I saw her she'd try to climb up onto the bench and so I was like okay so I pulled the bench out gone back to clean I turn around she's gotten up onto one of the chairs to get up onto the Onto Amazing. the table, and I thought, oh. so I've pulled all the chairs back, and I thought, I'm safe here. And then everything went quiet. I'm like, what's going on here? I turn around the corner, and she's dragging a chair to the table. And I just thought, you go, kid. Yeah. <laughs> you get yeah. that pen. You smart cookie. Yeah. yeah. So moments like that, you just can't, you can't, no, you can't get them if you you're can't not replace there. Yeah. yeah. Maka, I'm going to ask you this Has being a girl dad changed you? I think being a dad, has full stop your pers- perspective on a lot of things changes the way you feel about certain things. Like you hear news stories of bad things that have happened, and five years ago you just oh that's horrible. But now if it's to do with a kid, it's, it really hits you a lot harder. Yeah. Um, mm. So things like that. In terms of being a girl dad, I've sort of always like footy and stuff like that. But now that I've got a, a daughter. And I'm seeing the opportunities that are now being created for girls. And I want that for my daughter. So I look at things like that differently. Mm. Like I'm a lot more positive and I'm thinking about how am I going to be a soccer coach, even though I don't like <laughs> soccer. If she likes soccer, I'm going to be the coach. So that sort of thing. But being a dad has definitely changed me. And going back to something that you said, Maddie, before, if I'm honest with myself, I think I've always been a pretty selfish person. And that yeah. does, it does go back to I had an amazing um, childhood family, gave me everything that I wanted. I've never experienced any hardship. So the centre of my life was always me. Mm. It was always about what I wanted to do. And even even up until we first, you probably agree, even when we first started dating, it was always I just wanted to go out with the boys or have fun and I just want to do this. And it was always about me. And I think – when we started to become more serious and then we got married and then we got a house and then we've had Ellie and and I've noticed that me is not the most important thing to me anymore. It's my family and and the happiness of them is way more paramount now. And I think there is something to be said about having responsibility and then fulfilling that responsibility. When I was younger, I had no responsibility, but now I've got it. And fulfilling that gives you a deeper satisfaction, I think. And without having Ellie, I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't have experienced that. So yeah. it definitely has changed me as a person. That's beautiful, well, mate. Thank you for saying that, babe. 
I'm trying not to cry a little bit. (laughs) That's not a hard thing to admit. No. So thank you for sharing that. No worries. Love that. I was going to ask you if 18-year-old Macca knocked on our front door how you would feel, but I won't say that. (laughs) Turn around, pal. (laughs) (laughs) See you later. See you later. How about you, Maddie? About girl dad? Being girl, a girl dad, dad. Yeah, um, however you want to answer it. I was stoked to become a girl dad. I've always been a bit of a girl boy and a girl mm-hmm. man. I grew up with my sisters in the house, very close with my two sisters. I'm the youngest of six. The others had all moved out and then they moved out when I was quite young as well. But I just was so excited. We didn't know for all three births. We didn't find out what we're having. And when Billy was born... I was just like, oh my gosh, it's a girl. And I don't know where that came from until I think only about a year or so ago where I realised why. And it was because I was really scared about bringing a boy into the world and I was his role model for being a man. Wow. And, And the pressure that I feel about making sure I'm the best possible man to model himself on because my dad is an absolute gentleman and everyone who meets him will say that. He's a great bloke, he's a gentleman, world's best manners, treats women with the utmost respect and so I had a great role model in him. So the pressure I felt to have that for Ziggs, it still frightens me. Whereas with being... Being a girl dad, I don't have that responsibility in that sense. I have the responsibility of what they should probably look for, Mm. that sense of how a man should treat Mm. a woman. And luckily the relationship that I have with Bella is great and not all relationships are like that. So, again, I'm in a position of privilege because not all relationships are loving and caring and not everyone gets treated the way they should. So being a girl dad really excited me because I wanted to go to musicals and couldn't wait to couldn't wait musical. to hear loves the music. But, uh, but at the same time, it was I think that's why. Yeah, that was well answered and actually have not ever thought of it from the perspective of the intimidation of being a boy dad. Yeah. I think the fact that you think about that so much is exactly why you are such a brilliant boy dad. Kudos. I always imagine you to be like Paul Rudd. We were talking about this the other day. <laughs> Slap on the bus. Slap on the bus. Even though you get along really well with Bella, like all of Bella's friends and you do wines and brunches and stuff. Yeah. You know that movie, babe, Best Man? Mm. Maddie is just like, a yeah, you just walking in with the tray of the root beer floats. Yeah. That's what I I envision is you. Yeah. I do like my friends through work because I've worked in media a lot and there was always tendency to be more females in the biz than there was males. Our friendship circle is heavily female skewed, which I love because having a long lunch is great. But also on the flip side is quite comfortable in the TAB, the crunches and skewed. But I do sit quite comfortably over a glass of rosé getting a bit of goss. Yeah. Into it. No, love that. (laughs) Bella's a ledge. Can I say I had the privilege of meeting her here? You're very lucky. She's stunning and she is a beautiful soul. Once her glaucoma clears up, I am in trouble. (laughs) We met when we were very young. with 18 years together this year. Um, So I'm very, we've got a very cool relationship. How did you guys meet in media? Yeah, we were driving around the radio station cars, handing out the icy cold cans of Coke and the latest hey. copy of Dolly magazine, yeah. and that's how it how it kicked off. Uh, I love story. Runners. Yeah, I love yeah. story. Where did you two mate? <sighs> oh, we- you want to hear? Yeah. Who, 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 who was more keen? Who was more keen? 
Aka was, we met in a beer garden on a Sunday sesh. Yep. Maka had just come back from two years in Europe with the boys. And we actually went to school together, but mm. didn't know each other in school. He's a few years above mm. and had some mutual friends. And I was single for a bit. I was actually working here. And I said to my girlfriends, I'm going to have my first one night stand. I'm just doing it. <laughs> and I... Grabbed Love his that. hand off the dance floor. He thought it was a joke. He thought it was a stitch up from the boys. And then he's turned into my lifetime stand. So here we are eight Amazing. years later. Amazing. <laughs> that is incredible. Yeah. It I, must have been the old shaking the hips, mate. It was yeah. a dance move. She you do love and said, a D4. That's, uh, that's you, it. That's him. Yeah. You love a D4. You thought it was a stitch up. Yeah, because I'm standing there and someone grabs me by the hand and walks Off me out of there. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So that was us. So, yeah, here we are. There you go. Love that. Love it. The lifetime stand. Modern day romance. Am I right? Okay, this segues a little bit. How do you navigate work-life balance? Maddie, for you, as you said, you do brekkie radio, so Mm. you're here the crack of dawn every day, and then you have a lot of weekend commitments being on TV, low-key on the weekend. You do work with a couple of footy teams. Manly Sea Eagles, Waratahs. Sydney Sixers, cricket team as well through summer. I just have to be as present as I can when I'm home. I think it's a quality over quantity is what I have to work out at the moment. With work-wise, because I had that time off, I feel like I am making up for lost time where I wasn't working and – In this biz, if you say no to a gig, that gig could be gone forever. Especially with the footy teams, I want to do that as long as I can because someone younger and better is going to come along soon. So I'll just keep working, doing that while I can. And the same with radio, you just never know when you're going to get a tap on the shoulder, which has happened to me plenty of times. So I'm just as present as possible when I am home. I make a lot of effort to be there, whether it's fun, Dad, or whether it's just sitting and listening, whether it's just being there, whether it's reading, whatever it is, I just try and make a real conscious effort of phone down and I'm just in the moment. Yeah. That's because this thing, the phone is the biggest thing for me. So easily I'll be sitting there doing magnetic tiles and then get really bored with it because it's boring, but it's really fun tiles. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And then just go straight to my phone and pick it up. And then I have it, isn't it? And then I look down and they're looking at me and I'm like, just looking at my emails. I'm like, Oh, they feel that. Yeah. And so it's okay. It's phones down, phones away and be involved. You feel that as an adult. If we get caught up and we're sitting on the couch and we're both scrolling on our phones, you Mm. feel not disconnected, but you're, yeah, like it's not present. So that's a really Mm. good answer. And again, I come from a position of privilege once again where I can be out of the door here at lunchtime. I can go do school pickup. So that's something that I go, you know what, I want to do school pickup, but then Bella fights because she wants to talk to the mums and have her catch up with a friend. So there is, there are moments I can go to the cross country carnival if I want to. There are things that I can do that I know that other people can't. Mm. We're pretty lucky in that same, in that sense as well with us. How, how do you manage, babe? Yeah, like, I, again, so lucky with my job, obviously being a school teacher, you get school holidays. So I've got time. Yeah. I've got a lot of time at home to do things that need to be done around the house. That's the first thing, which being able to have time to do that frees up time for when Ellie is at home to be with Ellie. But also just the hours that I work, I can drop Ellie off and pick her up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you could go away for a week and nothing would have to change. Yeah. If that makes sense. So, you just have a really long to-do list. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be multiple A4 pages. Loves the to-do So in terms of work-life balance, I, I don't feel as though work gets in the way of yeah. life at the moment. And we um, only have one child. Yes. Oh, I do know moment. that I have to make a conscious effort, though, also of 
knowing that Bella has had all three of them. So like for today, example, we're in school holidays at the time of recording this. She's got them all the school holidays and I'm working Saturday, Sunday this week as well. So it's like she's had three of them 24-7 for seven days that I can somehow give her something back time-wise when I can. Yeah. Because that is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Just knowing that you're conscious of that I think is great in itself and it sounds like you and Bella have such a great dynamic where I think communication is key for any part of a relationship, something, especially when it comes to parenting. Yeah, something I've started doing, I don't know where I picked this one up, but I have heard it. It's not us that have invented it at all. But when I walk in the door these days, I'm going, what number are you at out of 10? Mm. Where are you sitting at? Where are you sitting at? And she's like, I'm at, a, I'm at a fucking three. I'm like, okay, I know where you're at. I know where I need yeah, to get to. to yeah, 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 I need yeah. to be at 10, yeah. turn it to 11 maybe. Or if I'm sitting at nine. Oh, great. Cool. This is where we're at. Do you know now. what? That is a pretty good strategy rather than just trying to work it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's an know? honesty system. Yeah. Where are you? What number are you yeah. at? I've yeah. heard of that as well. Yeah. I can't remember Not seeing that it. from. Yeah. I didn't intentionally marry a teacher, but it's worked out <laughs> Swimmingly, because school holidays, you're going to get lumped with everyone else's kids as well. Start a daddy daycare. That's all right. But yeah. it's not all funny. Like we give teachers a bit of shit about their holidays, but you are you're marking. Yeah, there's a bit of work going oh, on. Oh yeah, here. I say yeah. that knowing the, the summer holidays, not so much because the end. It's the end of the year. You haven't yeah. got marking and stuff. You have a little bit of preparation, but. And I know there'd be teachers out there screaming at the <laughs> at me right now. But yeah, during the holiday, like now, now. for example, mm. I've built up my year eleven, year twelve. Um, assignments to mark. I've got the HSCs coming up, so I'm preparing all the resources for that. So mm. there is stuff to do, yeah. but I wouldn't complain about it. Yeah. <laughs> so then I guess how do you make time for yourself and then for each other? Maddie? I, this is where I am at my strongest. This is one something that mm. I do. I always make sure we've got time for us. It's something that Bella won't do because I just think she, she feels like we're burdening our parents with a responsibility that isn't theirs. But at least once a month I'll just book us a dinner somewhere and I'll call up either my in-laws who I'm very close with, obviously. I started dating their daughter when she was 21. And then all my folks and just go, hey, can you come around? Even if it's, can you come around from seven till nine? We're just going to go out, have an early dinner, spend some time together without them. And then we're back home in bed by 9.30. That's how we do it together. And for myself, I'll try and get a run in at least once or twice a week. Whether yeah. that's, but you've got to pick your time. Don't go home. <laughs> don't go home and then leave. Do it on the way home and then when you're home. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I do it. Uh, if I don't run, I go insane. Yeah. Or exercises, uh, some sort of exercise. You have to have some outlet. Yeah. And it, for everyone, it's a little bit different. I also love that coming back to that whole mental load thing, the mental load of thinking about trying to have a night out or time together, or that's something that can naturally just fall on the mum. Yeah. I need, I probably, I think it's because I need it more than maybe she does. Yeah. It might, it might be that I need her. Without the kids more than she needs me. Yeah. The <laughs> I'm the needy one. I need to talk to you. I just want you. Yeah. yeah. I want some attention. Yeah. 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 We, even just the other night, like Friday night, we put Ellie down. We got like Ben and Jerry's. We had awesome. a nice dinner yeah. and we got on the couch and we put our phones down and we watched a movie that we both wanted to watch together. And it was so nice. It's just that m- bit of connection. I feel like we, again, I hate, I know we probably come across like we're like we're so lucky, but like you have two mornings a week, I have two mornings a week, and then we have two mornings together, whether yeah. it's a, on the weekend one morning or on a Friday. But we actually schedule that. We mm. plan it. Okay, what what mornings are you going to go to the gym? 
Yeah. And what yeah. mornings are you going to go to Terry and listen to a podcast and go for a walk? Yeah. So that's, we actually schedule in time for ourselves. But yeah. Then we also schedule in time for each other. Like once a week before we schedule ourselves in, we schedule when are we going to go for our family walk? When are we going to get, get yeah. Anson and get Ellie and go for a coffee and walk and debrief? And, and that kind of happens twice a week. And we are that's, really lucky. It's value. <laughs> even like, even last night, <laughs> how, Ellie's gone to bed and I don't know, it was 7 o'clock or something. And you're like, what's your plan? So I'm like, oh, I've got some marking to do. And you're like, oh, I'm going to do some editing. 8.30, bed. Okay, I'll meet you there. <laughs> we did do that. We've gotten very good at scheduling. Yeah, and I think sometimes. It's so important. It though. is, if you, yeah. if you don't, you find it doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. That's- and that's something I hate doing is when one person goes to bed before the other. And then, yeah. and then and you miss each other. It would be tough because you're leaving before anyone's awake. Uh, my eight-year-old's up longer than I am. Yeah. Uh, she's watching Fi-Fi Lane on the lounge with, with yeah. Bella. But that's why the weekends are so important for us. That's yeah. our special time. Yeah. yeah. No, answered. So on that, they say it takes a village. Who is your support network? Who do you guys rely on? We rely on my in-laws a little bit more than I suppose my folks. We're lucky they live all in the same area. My in-laws actually moved (laughs) to the area where we are about a year after we moved. We'll often have a sleepover, maybe three, four times a year. We'll do sleepovers so we can have a little getaway, whether we do a staycation or we just have some time at home where we don't have to get up in the middle of the night. And my f- my mum and dad are pretty good, but they're a little bit older, my folks, yep. and they live in a smaller joint. So the kids can't really sleep there. My dad's health isn't great. So the extended periods of time, not so much with them. But for the fact that Bella can go, hey, can you look after Stevie so I can go to the gym? Yeah. Uh, and my folks are very open to that. Or can you go walk them from school or something like that? We're very lucky that I've got both my parents and my in-laws who are more than happy to help. Yeah. yeah. No, that's epic. It's just knowing that you've got someone there. Like we've got neighbours who they are from Belfast, so they don't have any yeah. family here. Wow. Yeah. And they really take on that juggle. Yeah. And it's gotten harder. Back in the day, your parents talk about this all the time. It was like the street was one mum or would like to look up. Center. It was like a daycare yeah, centre. Yeah. It was just always. Go to shops, go to Auntie Shirley's or whatever. Down the road. It's not really auntie. It's no. just the, the neighbour <laughs> across the road. The chick across the road. Yeah. Everyone just When I in. found out yeah. Uncle Don wasn't my uncle, <laughs> it blew my mind. Devastating. Yeah. How about you, babe? Yeah, I, I, same with Maddie. We're extremely lucky with our family. Both your parents and my parents are desperate to look after Ellie, which is How good. magnificent. Yeah. My yeah. sister is just one of a kind. But even little things like our Ellie's almost two now and she's not talking and we're a little bit concerned about that. But my sister happens to be one of the best speech paths in the area. So little things like that are, yeah, yeah. yeah we're extremely And lucky. friends. Like we're all in that season of life where we've mm. all got kids now and Ellie's independent enough where if we've got, like our friends would happily look after her for a few hours if we needed. So we're really lucky like that. Yeah, again, from a place of privilege. Yeah. What is the most rewarding part of being a dad? I'm going to ask you, babe. I think it's those little moments that we were talking about earlier when Ellie, you know, when you just hear her laughing and just knowing that she's a happy child and that you're doing, is it both doing a good job? Although sometimes you might doubt yourself, but mm. ultimately you do know that you're doing a good job and she's happy and content. And then she comes up and she wants a cuddle or something like that. And you know that she's safe and secure. There's that side of it. And Touching back on what I said before, just the transformation in myself, but having a child has also ultimately strengthened our relationship. So 
and I, having Ellie's just as a family unit has just strengthened that. And that's given us a, given me more of a purpose, I mm. guess, day to day stuff. Well answered. <laughs> Maddie. Oh gosh, there's so many, but I think if I can have two, I think I'd, didn't think it would be possible to love as hard as I do. Like when I met Bella, I thought that would be it. This is as hard as I'm ever going to love. And then having the kids and it works on scales of like emotion, the love that I have, I didn't know that was inside of me. And also then them achieving things that even they didn't think they could do. I think watching them do something they doubted they could do and then do it is just, like I said before, Zig's reading, Stevie starting to write her name, like Billy nailing a maths test when she's terrible at maths. Might need a tutor. <laughs> but just those little things, those little achievements in themselves that blow their own minds that blow yours. Okay, two more questions. First one is, I'm going to start with you, Matt. What would you say to Bella going into the hospital to have Billy? Being a mum the first time, what would you say to her? What would I say to her? I would probably say I can't wait to start this journey with you. I think that would probably be it because I, when it comes to anything, I know she doesn't need me to tell her how awesome she's going to be. That was what it would be. I cannot wait to start this journey with you. Yeah. Good answer. Babe? This is really hard because I know I'm sitting right here. Uh, probably just to back yourself. People that know you know how big your heart is and it, it doesn't matter whatever hurdle comes in your way. You'll just love the little schnitzel out of that little girl. So just back yourself and you've killed it for the first two years. Thank you. <laughs> Good one. Okay. And what would you say to yourself, Matt, walking into the hospital about to be a dad for the first time? You got this, Tiger. Don't block out the noise. Back your gut. You got this. Yeah. Yeah, bloody got this. Yeah. Good words. Simple, effective, yeah. Yeah. great words. Babe? I think that's what it is, isn't it? Like just, just engage with it. Just grab it by the horns, take responsibility and step up and just go for it. Don't just take a backwards seat and see what happens. Like be proactive. Be go in it. it. Yeah. Be, be in it. Don't, yeah. like you said, don't listen to what other people say. Make your own decision. Yeah. Do you know, do what, do what you think, support your wife, how you think she can be supported and that sort of thing. Yeah. What a great way to finish. Mm. Guys, thank you seriously so much for joining me and having this conversation. This uh, has been, it's really good. Yeah. yeah I've and, enjoyed every yeah. second of it. And it's been, I said it before, but it's been a privilege watching you two as well. Because you. You know, I was just about to say, it's yeah. been really nice to hear Maddie's story as well. Yeah. Thank you for just agreeing wholeheartedly the second I asked you, Maddie. Like, Ma- like Macca didn't really have a choice, <laughs> um, but you did. And I really appreciate it because you come with different perspectives, but the same values and different experiences. So, so it's been really nice and, yeah, I appreciate pleasure. you being yeah, super great. open and vulnerable. Where do it's I send great. the invoice, Loz? Uh, look, you're going to have to speak to my personal assistant okay, about no that. We will... It's just outside there, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, thanks, guys. You're legends. Thank you. Thank right. you. No worries. Cheers. Thanks for listening to another episode of Yeah, the Gals. If you like what you heard, hit subscribe or follow us on Instagram at Yeah, the Gals podcast. And remember, gals, you bloody got this.